Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fallis. Today in the studio, I'm talking with Carlos Kelly. Carlos Gabriel Kelly Gonzalez was born in San Diego and lived there until he was 31. He lived at Border Life, one that continually saw him crossing back and forth between San Diego and Tijuana, whether it was for our relationship, weddings, quinces, funerals, family gatherings. His Mexican roots were never far off. His first book, Wounds, Fragments, Derelict, takes the fluidity of being Mexican and American, weaving it together with love and loss to produce a novella of poetry. In other words, Kelly tells a loosely chronological love story through poetry, mixing in the impact of family, loss, and death. It is within these pages Kelly found a sense of healing that through exploring the power of loss, of love, and of life, he learned to be hopeful once more, to not be afraid of what time and new love could bring. Carlos, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Audience, this is a slightly different podcast because Carlos would be performing some of the poems from his book. We'll be discussing some of the stories behind each of them. I hope you enjoy them. So this first one is called uh, Carrilla is Time Travel. Carrilla is Time Travel. Carrilla time travels you back through drives to La Presa in Tijuana to pick her up for dates where distance saw itself a barrier to you thinking you two would work. How borders, once untenable, became your daily crossing into the lessons of Carrilla. Her brothers taught you through grilling, but distance was a youngling then. You didn't fear its claws just yet. Carrilla made you the one upset after every joke until you were told, Tranquilízate. But when you're considered the gringo, Spanish rolls itself harshly off the tongue, bruising distance to a language in you broken. Not knowing that el que se enoja pierde, her go-to when in you she'd see the anger set its sails. Tranquilízate is a warning teaching you how to take a joke that carrilla can cut close, can travel you back to how tranquilízate is just another lesson we fail. Carlos, tell me about this experience of dating someone who, living in the borderlands, you might think understands a lot about the flow of language, about the tenderness of words. Yeah, um, you know, Carrilla is like, uh, I always find it hard to translate that into yeah. English, but it's like joshing around. Mm -hmm. But Carrilla can be like um, a way for for Latinx people to like, show they care about each other mm -hmm. but it's sometimes if like you know i'm i'm first generation mexican-american so spanish is my first language but it doesn't mean it's my dominant language mm -hmm. and and because of that dynamic um, because of assimilation because of having to learn english it took some time to get used to the fact of carrilla being you know a, a sort of showing of love Right, because right. it could feel like bullying. Yes, it could very quickly feel like bullying, especially you know, in 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 this poem, you know, I talk about my experience that, you know, it it made me mad, you know, and I would I would lose, right? Que se enoja pierde, you know, the person who gets mad loses, um, and so 
That was interesting because who at that time was you know his book is about a relationship you know and and, and that person lived in Tijuana mm-hmm. her, her you know so they were her brothers and her sister they were all Mexican citizens right mm-hmm. um and you know just being in that space and communicating mm-hmm. things could be taken out of context or you know language is 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 one thing, I don't know, tonally it can change, it can <laughs> shift. The way people talk in Spanish uh, on the border, some things I wouldn't understand and, and had to rephrase them. And, and right. so language is this continual sort of um, exploration, especially mm-hmm. on the border, right? You know, just because I'm Mexican doesn't mean that I would know what they were talking about, mm-hmm. right? Like, Buddhist, like, mm-hmm. oh, man. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, they would get me all the time <laughs> with those, right? And I'm just like, and then... You know, they're problematic in their own way, but it's just, you know, trying to understand that, you know, and, and like not feeling fully Mexican and not feeling fully American, mm-hmm. you know, but I can cross into Tijuana and, and be, with, you know, this person and also grow as as a Mexican person, grow my culture, grow my understanding for language. Um, and in fact, that was one of the ways that sort of... Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I'm still considered a gringo, you know? Right. But... <laughs> That, though, you know, it was like around four years of my life that I was really going back and forth to Tijuana mm-hmm. more than I had ever been. I had the Sentry Pass, you know, which means you can cross quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, you, you're, you're registered with the government and you can cross quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of access, more access than I had ever had to my language, to my culture, to my identity, right? And that was something that was beautiful to learn. But also, you know, it can be a difficult, lesson. Difficult, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, too, with you know this poem's a lot it reminds me a lot um with my continual struggle with masculinity right mm. that to confront your socialization as a you know I'm cis heterosexual man right and and I'm white passing so I have all these privileges mm-hmm. right and then to have to go back and analyze those privileges in the context that I've grew up in and just thinking about those things and and my own anger and and how uh just learning I guess like this path of learning and 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 how tranquilizate would is sometimes a lesson we fail, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we we I think everybody can fail that lesson um, to calm down, to 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 sit back and to realize that the people you love are mm-hmm. are are important to you, right? Because we were so quick to like uh, get mad at the people we love because mm-hmm. they, we have this assumption that they'll always be there, right? Right. So, you know, it's 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 a lot. You know, to to have that bilingual sort of thinking about lessons we learn, but also thinking about bilingually, right? Mm-hmm. The lessons we learn in Spanish, lessons we learn in English, fusing them together, you know, challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, in this poem, challenging myself to, to try to think back to that lesson, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not uh, attached to I mean, it is in this poem, it's a novella, right? It's like attached to this one person, right? But at the same time, the idea of calming down or, or relaxing or uh, is something that I try to do even to this day, right? Even though I was a graduate student, you really can't relax. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to go to the next one? Sure. So this one's called uh, Espiritu Santo at the Border. On the border, you find origins split. You pledge allegiance. You find distance in candied violet. 
In the void, you find her, passenger seat clings to minutes turgid, disguised as her medicine. With the synthy pass, you scatter back across quickly. You wait, you find her on the corner by the meetup spot, the jack-in-a-box. Wait for her to cross, to bridge the distance through documents. On this journey, you reacquaint yourself with the boy rehearsing father. With your eyes, you signal what's to be said. You practice what to say. Practica lo que vas a decir. You turn index and thumb into a crossing. Cross across my forehead before you whisper the go-to script for crossing. A front to your crossing. The rehearsal fades into the two cars in front. Sentry ready to declare nothing as you cross. Cruzar líneas to declare you a citizen. Why are bodies made to rehearse what you'll always be? Why are bodies made to rehearse what you'll always be? Why are bodies made to rehearse? After, one day you'll cross, accidentally drive back to the jack to pick her up. But you forgot how distance is another word for border. How bodies always carry it. Carlos, this experience is so familiar to me because I also grew up in the borderlands. I particularly like the idea of rehearse what you'll always be. Each time someone crosses, we speak our existence, I think. I remember that from youth, crossing, naming who we are, and justifying our entrance into the U.S. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't know what it means to cross a border, you know. And, like, I love the movie Coco. Mm. It's a great movie. There's, there are a lot of problems with it. One of the things is how they present the border crossing. Um, and they do they do a good job, I think, of showing the nerves involved. But I don't think people understand the stakes in regards to what crossing can mean. Mm. Um, like, for myself, like, my parents and I, when we were kids, we never crossed together. So mm. it was always one parent and myself. So whether my mom or my dad, um, but we would never cross together. Why? Because they didn't have the proper documents, right? Um, and things could go down, all right? So at least having one parent available. Mm. Um, strategizing. This is what it boils down to, like having to strategize to cross the border, right? That, because especially like myself, my, my dad, you know, has darker skin and, and I have lighter skin, right? And, you know, I'm pretty much a huerito, mm-hmm. right? And... and Having that dynamic, right, people could immediately ask, like, is this your son or who's mm-hmm. this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'd strategize and practice what to say, right? Mm-hmm. And so my, my dad would say, like, hey, I took you to go bowling in Tijuana or mm-hmm. we went to go get food or we went to, um, right. uh, taking you back to your mom's house, etc." So there's... I just don't think people know a lot about the, the that process, that right? That dynamic, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and... and it could be very scary, um, you know, if without the sentry pass. Like, yeah, I had the sentry pass when I was older, but when I was younger, like, I don't even, nobody had sentry for us, you know. I had yeah. what was called tarjeta local, which is also for people, you know, that live on the border. I, yeah. I lived on the other corner of mm. the, the border across Brownsville, Texas. And I remember the nervousness. Every, I mean, we, we had the proper documentation to be able to cross the border. But I also remember being nervous each time. What if I say the wrong thing? What if oh I? Gosh, what if yeah. I? Why if they ask me something slightly different and then I don't know what to say? 
their fear was always there. Always, yeah. And this is pre nine eleven, right? And so I mean, no, they're not even talking about what those nerves mean after that, right? Mm-hmm. But pre nine eleven, you know, the the magic words were U.S. citizen. You could just say that, and and I'd be cool. Like my dad would say, mm-hmm. you know, give his documents, and I. I, I don't even know if I had an ID or, or whatnot, maybe my acta nacimiento, my birth certificate. And I would say, U.S. citizen, and mm-hmm. you're good. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and oh, man, it just screams of all this privilege, right? Because obviously I, I'm, I look like a, a, a white boy, you know, like a little, you know, this is when I was a kid, so a young white boy. Uh, of course, U.S. citizen, right? Oh, yes, okay, good. We'll, we'll let you in, right? Uh, so, yeah, just, and then... But even then, the fear, right? Mm-hmm. To still have that fear, to still have that ingrained into us uh, as a people, right? To cross the border is like, man, they just, and, and it's so hostile, right? You know, sometimes you get a, a nice border agent, but most times, man, mm-hmm. the CBP, oh, well, this is California Boat Patrol mm-hmm. from my experience. Like, man, you just wonder, like, why it's so dehumanizing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, I remember one time, you know, it's sad. There's a lot of things wrong with, with Border Patrol, period. But what I think is when people of color join Border Patrol, uh, they have to acclimate to that sort of system. And when that happens, I think some uh, some people of color push the thumb down on other people of color, right, right who are just trying to cross, who are trying to make a mm-hmm. living, who are trying to do this. You know, I almost was denied the sanctity because the, the, the person, a person of color, had suggested that I couldn't afford it. And mm. and I was like, damn, like, I can't afford this. Like, who are you to tell me I can't afford this? Um, and it, and it's just like, I don't know. It's just trying to really deny access to people, whether that's, you know, documents or, or passes to go visit uh, or, or entrance even, right? And it's just, I don't know. It's a... Uh, that's a terrible situation. More people should should really uh, find out what that means. It's not because I don't know. Like I've crossed the border on the Canadian side too, and and they're pretty aggressive too. Um, but it's not like you know what I've experienced crossing the border from Mexico. Right. Yeah, and then like the just like secondary inspections and all this stuff. It's just like it's very scary. Mm-hmm. And and this poem, you know, it's, it's just it's also about love, you know, and and but, Part of my poetry, I think, in this book is is really trying to explore every aspect of love um, and loss and and what that means of my my identity as a a Mexican-American. And so trying to weave these stories about, you know, love, but also loss, but also fear of Mm -hmm. crossing the border. And this is like a speedy something at the border, right? Because, uh, you know, when I was a religious person, especially when I was a kid, you don't have a choice, really. (laughs) Uh, but, you know, the presionabas, you, mm-hmm. and every time you cross the border, boom, 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 my dad would cross me, right, mm-hmm. and, and make sure, like, right, because we're about to do something, like, even though it's perfectly legal, perfectly legitimate, it's still yeah. scary, right, this idea of crossing the border. Um, <laughs> and also, too, the idea of, like, I say why, why our body is made to rehearse, which will always be, and, and it's not, for me personally, it's, I'm a U.S. citizen, right, I was born here. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I'm still not. I still don't feel totally American, mm-hmm. right? And so that's that's that fear, right? Um, but also it can be like, why are why are we made to be? We're humans, you know. Why are we made to have to have to rehearse these ideas uh, for validation, 
for for safe passage, etc. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just challenged that idea and, and the idea of having to practice what to say. It's it can be uh, especially at the border. You know, I don't know. That's that's a unique experience. Right. I I also want to make a comment about the Jack in the Box. Yeah. Was this? Um, I imagine when when I read it the first time that your your meeting point was. In the U.S. or mm-hmm. in the, okay. Yeah, in the U.S. And I remember some of that, you know, um, <clears throat> growing up to crossing and just saying, oh, meet you at McDonald's or meet you this. And we all knew which one and we all knew where and we all knew, you know, the, the routine um, or I'll pick you up here and I'll pick you up there and the, the, the landmarks, right, of the, the places. But because you're on the border, it could very much be the McDonald's across the border. El otro lado, ¿no? Al otro lado. ¿Cuál mm-hmm. McDonald's? ¿El de este lado o el del otro lado? Yeah. Without really the fluidity of being on the borderlands, right? That this, the store or the landmark you could find in the U.S. side, but also in the Mexican side. Yeah. I, I mean, the the dynamic on the, on the Mex- U.S.-Mexico border for Tijuana was there's a jack-in-the-box on, uh, on the U.S. side and there's a McDonald's on the other side, right? <laughs> Um, which is it's interesting, fast food, our gente. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but that that yeah, that's true because we didn't. I didn't have in this relationship. It, I didn't have a, a. Remember Nextel? You remember that? The, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I didn't have that ability yet at early on, but that was something that I had to get right so that I could communicate with my partner right because she had a uh, she had a, uh, a Nextel and I, I got Nextel as well and. I mean, you didn't have T-Mobile where you can just call over the phone and right, right and have no international minutes or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd be like, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you that place. And like, okay, boom. And then I, even if I didn't know, I'd be, I could cross the border into Mexico and be like, oh yeah, don't stop McDonald's. Like, hey, where's the McDonald's at? Yeah. You know? And they'd be like, oh, okay, there. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's where I'm going to meet. Yeah. Right? And so it's just and ev- and you know you're right. Everybody has that sense of fluidity where everybody knows where those meeting points are, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you go to the Jack in the Box right now at the border. There's going to be people waiting for people to pick up, mm. right? Whether that's family members, et cetera, friends or whoever, right? But that's the meeting spot, right? And, right. and uh, yeah, everybody knows about that um, because, like, you see the line of cars and you see the line of cars circling around <laughs> and the same cars are circling around again. Did you cross yet? No, you haven't crossed. Um, but even then, too, like, what can, you know, there are still lots of things that can go wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like secondary inspection, things mm-hmm. can happen where, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you just profiled or or what have you, right? Something you know. Fortunately, I have I again, you know, the privilege that I have is white passing man. Uh, that doesn't happen to me too often. Um, but yeah, that the it's just, it reminds me kind of a, like uh, the local oxo, you know, when you're in Mexico and <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh yeah, where? But <laughs> the oxo, you know, around the oxo, and you're like, which one? Right, and so it's 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 funny that you know it's it's kind of like a, a thing about our our gente, like we use those landmarks, right? right? La like, tiendita de la esquina. Yeah, right? yeah. You're like which tiendita? I'm like, oh, that one. Okay, all right. So you know, and, and that is funny. It's just how you know I, our ingenuity. I think it just it, it brings a smile to my face, right? right. To think about right. our people and how we communicate about where to meet. Right, right. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Sure. The language of wreckage. Deep reeling into the corner of a couch, damaged, you see visions of how bodies act, more concerned with how bodies intertwine. You draw on recollection, 
Wrestle flirting bodies, pester one another with touch, play punches cut in between a movie and a street fight, but not a street fight, just giddy fists. Underneath, an onslaught of smooches, pinches pushing and tugging, hair spread brown, weaving into thrown pillows. At the kitchen table, father sits with quiet, alert until the plea, Senor, ayúdame! He snaps your name, victory in her laughter. You want to write poetry about another, about time before or after her, but dreams speak in shipwreck. Here I am. Forget that you're forgetting. Carlos, tell me about the story behind this poem. Yeah, um, so uh, I, in, in writing this book, you know, it was very painful to say the least, but also a process of healing. Um, because I, 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 you know, sometimes this is just a memory, you know, of, of, a, of a, a moment of like, you know, between couples playing around, you know, and and then just it's funny because in that moment, right, Senora, ayúdame, you know, the partner at the time, she had uh, said that obviously joking just to get me, you know, in trouble with my dad. Stop. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, and that was the strategy, right? So I got in trouble with my dad, and he would snap, and he'd snap, and he'd be like, Carlos. Calmate. Yeah, gay. You know, just like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Exactly. And so she would laugh, right, because she had, you know, won. Um, but these are the things, right, that, you know, that you could be driving. Like, for me, and this is a particular memory, right, that I'd be driving back home years after, right, and that this memory would pop into my head. Right, and it's and it's sort of this idea, like uh, like a shipwreck, mm -hmm. right? That you know that there are pieces around, right? And there will always be these pieces there, and and that they will speak to you, right? And that that you are trying to forget about this or that <laughs> or X or Y, and that these memories will, you know, like needles will point it, will, you know, mm -hmm. prick into you and say, hey, nope, you were trying to forget, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the way I see that, right? And, and, and love and, and loss and, and death and, and everything, you know, that when you're trying to forget something, uh, painful that you won't forget, you know, you will, you'll live life like, uh, you know, you'll continue to live your life, but just like this random memory popped into my head years after things will continue to pop into our heads, right? Uh, like with family members, et cetera, whatever lessons or whatever losses, sorry, that we've experienced, they'll continue to be with us, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll always feel that loss. And so you can't really, you got to forget that you're forgetting or, or you, 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 you forget that you're forgetting and then you're reminded, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but part of the book too was, you know, in, in my latest, in the, in the version before it got accepted to be published, right? That version, I went back with my buddy, uh, Hari Aluri, who's a great friend of mine, a poet. Um, we went back and we said, you know, how do we give access to the pain mm -hmm. and to the loss that I'm feeling to the reader? Mm -hmm. right? And so part of all these things was going back and, and looking at these stories and, and start to, tar to, uh, to start to tell and communicate some of that loss, right? Instead of being abstract about it, right? Um, and in that way, I've, I've grown as a poet and in my art because I want, I want you to be able to access it. Whether that's my pain directly or if this poem 
or book makes you feel about a pain mm-hmm. of your own, mm-hmm. like that's a, that's the goal I want. You know, I want to break hearts, <laughs> right? And and but in a good way, in a you know way that is reflective. And yes, like, that that makes you think about it, right? And and, and sort of. To understand that, that's why I like calling this book a novella, because by the end, I think that you get a sense of hope, mm. right? And in my introduction, I, I really try to outline that idea that, you know, yes, heartbreak, yes, loss, yes, from my particular uh, vantage point, like it was the loss of my cousin Alex, you know, he passed away, and also the loss of a relationship, and how I can move forward from those things, mm-hmm. right? And, and continue to be someone, you know, uh, who has impact. Yeah, whole, right? To continue to see, like, like that was a lovely relationship, but now you can move forward and, and realize that love is, you know, something that can continue, right? That it grows in many ways, that you'll find friends and, you know, that you will love and, and, and that you'll, you know, family, you might connect again, et cetera. Or you might find new love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, new romantic love. And so just realizing that and, and, and sharing with people like, hey, it's okay. Like you, you are going to struggle. There's no time. There's no joke. I mean, there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. There will be struggle. There will be pain. But there will there'll be opportunity in that, right? There will be healing. That's why I encourage everybody to write, especially when they're going through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because if they write their memories down, mm-hmm. right, um, that they can begin to heal from the, those explorations. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult. I'm, you know, writing this book was probably the most difficult uh, part of my life at that point. But it's something I'm really grateful for because I've been able to find new love. You know, I'm in a happy relationship right now with um, a lovely person. And and being able to see those past experiences and not be like, oh, I'm a terrible person or oh, I'm just bad at love or mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these negative things that we can think about ourselves. I'm like, no, that was that. That was the past. It's formed me in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that and move into the future. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that and, and it's all and it starts from like looking at these memories and, and just trying to, uh, at least in my exercise, trying to make art from them that can connect with people, mm-hmm. whether that's their pain or my pain, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just this this dialogue between uh, the experiences that we share as humans. Right. Right. Well, let's let's go ahead and do the next one. Okay, this one is nostalgia opens fire in Tijuana. She didn't know Chile from a candy rubs over the bare of her lips. How still I pout for that tamarindo spice, that inhale, that bite, that linger. Hot shifts the eyes, the laundry mat into a fight. Her hot sweating this heat, arcade blaring teens. Hadouken, Hadouken, show you can. Ryu guru killing pesos at the local laundro beat. Across the street, fruteria, fresh raspados on a Sunday just before closing. Pesos of fumble, dame dos chamangos, por favor, con todo. Summer statute an hour simmer down with chacachacas, cacahuates, chamoy, chamoy. She said, dame tu chacachacas, gacho no eres. Of course I gave them up, because it was. And these are the boulevards like prayers we traverse. Foolish letters to the wind. Lord, I don't believe in mercy. Carlos, I know you're going to tell me much more about this poem, but I want to ask you why there are references to so many delicious Mexican candies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <clears throat> I I can't I can't get enough of those. Um, 
Especially since there are Mexican markets here in, right. in Columbus. I love going to them. And my office has pulparindo. That's right. I stole one the other day. I was in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and, and so like part of my, so part of the thing in, in, in regards to like language, especially being a bilingual poet, right? In, in, in the MFA program, you're taught that you shouldn't have to differentiate with italics, like your language, right? Mm -hmm. And I look at that and I say, no, I am going to. I'm going to force the reader to read it differently mm -hmm. and read it in the accent of a Latinx person, right? Of Latinx inflection. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, damn right, I'm going to use italics. And I'm not going to translate my, my, my Spanish. Figure it out. And, and part of that was, look, have you ever had a raspado? Mm -hmm. In, in any part of Mexico or anywhere, in, you know, a raspado, not shaved ice, yeah. you know, a raspado has all these delicious things inside of it, right? It could be a raspado de nuez with like all oh, the like nueces and like, uh, what's tamarindo that? With yeah, the seed in it. yeah, or, or like the, the lechera, <laughs> condensed milk all over it. Like, you're like, what? And what are these, I mean, what are they talking about? I'm like, this is delicious, mm -hmm. right? And so these raspados, especially the one I'm talking about, it's like, uh, like a mango raspado, right? Like chamango, they call them. Um, man, it's so good, mm -hmm. right? And there's no, like, I'm not gonna ever say shaved ice. No, you know, yeah, because no. that that's like whack. I don't know. It's just like a cup of. <laughs> it's an yeah, like a cup with <laughs> juice on it. Like I don't even know what that is. I'm just like, no, that's not what a raspado is, right? And so just like I, I see it like um, little uh, Easter eggs. They they use the term Easter eggs in video games to see like hidden things, like gems for people to like find and. and take pleasure in when they find them and so for me like having the spanish in there and, and especially this poem like this poem is for my gente mm -hmm. you know the book is for my gente it's like this, this is the second i think the third dedication i dedicated to my cousin to my family and to my gente and gente is all people that are latinx not just mexicanos um but i i see this like you know that hey you're gonna read this you're gonna be like i know about that mm -hmm. you know i know about those candies or i know about Chaka chacas, you don't want to give anybody chaka chacas, right? Like those are yours. And so if you're Latinx or if you're Mexican specifically, like you know about chaka chacas, you know damn well you wouldn't give those up for anybody. Right. And so like the the idea that, you know, like the speaker the poem myself, right, that I would give my chaka chacas to someone that's true love. Right. That is true love, right? <laughs> right. And it just shows you and it and, and like, I, I didn't have to say the poem. I didn't have to say anywhere in this poem that I love this this person at the time, right? That, you know, that it's not it's not about that. Mm -hmm. It's just showing through gestures, mm -hmm. right? That if you're willing to, like, it could be anything. You know, it could be your dessert. It could be your, you know, the last bite of bacon or whatever. <laughs> but you give that to your partner and saying, like, hey, I love you. I want to see you take joy from this. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I see this. Um, but also just, again, like, you know, Easter eggs for, for my gente. And also I got, you know, video games in there. Uh, like if you've ever been to a laundromat, you've been, have you been to a laundromat in Mexico, right? Yeah. yeah. There's always got that one little arcade, little maquinitas, right? And it's almost always a, a Street Fighter thing, <laughs> right? And man, the, the kids that go in there and play, like you better bring your pesos because <laughs> they're going to they're gonna beat you, right? And it's not, I don't know. It's just something about that, right? That you don't, I don't often see in, in the United States, right? Like, this could be a meeting spot for those young kids, right? Mm -hmm. And then they play these games all day long, right? Or they, you know, whatever, however long they do, but they come in there and they play the video games and they're loud and, you know, rambunctious and I love it, right? And I don't know. Something about that 
experience. Like having a, a fruteria raspado place next to a, a lavanderia, a, mm-hmm. a laundry place, right? A laundromat. You're like, what? But it, it works, right? And it's just something that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't find that here too much in the United States. It's just, it's just a shame. I think that uh, it could be a nice place for communities to meet up, right? Whereas, I don't know. The, I mean, in Columbus, I don't do much exploring. So I don't know if there's things like that here. I got I to gotta take you around yeah, <laughs> to uh, some paleterias and things yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> def- definitely. Because I, I know. We're, but it's funny, you know, because it's our gente doing those things, right? right? And, and and you you think about it and you think about, like, American culture and American traditions. Like, I don't know. People are just don't talk to each other. And I feel like those places could be really powerful meeting places for, for community and uh, for young people, right? Especially if you're thinking about, like, young people doing positive things. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. Spend your time playing video games in the arcade. Don't worry about what's happening over there with the homies or this or that, right? Mm-hmm. Focus on, on playing video games. Mm-hmm. Have some fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and then this, this the title of it, right? Nostalgia, again, uh, opens fire in Tijuana because it's like, a lot of my poems, I really try to perform. In fact, I try to perform everything that I write. And so when I when I envisioned this title, it was going to be like these memories just like opening fire on you. Mm. Like, you know, and, this, and it's all rooted in nostalgia. We all have our own nostalgia, right? We, whatever we're nostalgic for, we have it. We have that experience. And so, again, this poem's a love poem, but it's not, you know, it's through gesture. And so mm. now you start to remember things in your life where... What is someone giving me mm. that or what have they given up to give me, you know? Um, yeah, that's the way I see this poem happening. And then at the end, you know, I I sort of reveal my, my stance on, on religion. And um, there are a few poems. It's interesting because in my, in my research, I look at a lot of poetry by, by first generation Latinxes or, or Latinxes in general. And we almost always, always, always got beef with religion. Mm-hmm. And Catholicism, that's why I, it's funny because I, I hear a lot of Latinx say I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> right? And I'm like, that's interesting. Um, and so my poem not only deals with like my you know, love and loss and, and the death of my cousin, but also realizing like, hey, I'm, I'm not about this religious life anymore. Um, you know, and especially it really hit me with my cousin's death. You know, I, I'd been on the fence. Right? And here I said, Lord, I don't believe in mercy, right? Um, which is ambiguous and, and sort of like, you know, you know, just thinking about like, I'm jumping all over the place, but thinking about like the habit of saying, oh my God, mm-hmm. like I still say that, you know, even though I'm not a religious person, uh, but I, but it's just like that tension, right? Like you've been trained to believe in this higher power and you don't believe it anymore. So who are you asking for mercy? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, and, and it really hit me with my, the death of my cousin Alex, um, who, who the book's dedicated to, but realizing, like, I was, I don't know, just to tell you the story, like, I was, in, there's, there's a poem in the books called uh, Alejandro's Funeral in a, in a Church in Tijuana. Mm. And we literally had to rush the service because they were, we were paying. My family's, you know, uh, my, my, my cousin Jackie was paying for the service. Mm. And I was like, What? For the religious service. Right, so for the religious service. And then they had the audacity to pass around the basket. And I was like, man, how much more money do you want from us? And then you're going to kick us out? And so then I was really, uh, you know, people can believe whatever they want. That's fine. 
but like when, when just like many institutions um you know for me religion was one of those institutions where i could leave behind and not be lesser for it um and that really worked for me you know and so in my poetry like i said a lot of latinxes have this beef with religion right in their first books right because it's so prominent in our lives and then we get we grow older and we realize like many of us might realize like you know what like damn that structure is just really terrible for us right um and so we go against it mm-hmm. right and so i like my, there's a lot of themes happening in my book um but something that i've always wanted to explore was religion right and so there's a few poems like this one that that really speak to that sort of uh tension mm-hmm. within uh in regard to religion and 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 love loss etc carlos where can we find your book um a book is available on Amazon. You can also go to uh, uh, University of Chicago, sells it. Uh, Two Leaf Press is my publisher. You'll find it there. But you, I've seen links about Walmart. You know, <laughs> The thing is, the book is not uh, available as hard copies, mm-hmm. but you can order it uh, online and they'll send it to you. Um, I, it's funny. Uh, I check Amazon to see like the sales. <laughs> and at one point, I was like number 23 for Latino poetry mm. or latinx poetry that was cool but also you know what my plan is like i want people to read my book in schools mm. you know i uh, i'm living a dream of mine when i was a young kid i, I always said i want to be studied and and that's like a little bit of narcissism <laughs> and a little bit of you know leo pride i think because uh, I'm a Leo, <laughs> but uh, if you believe in that stuff, but uh, that dreams come true, right? Like that's I first of all, just having a book is a huge privilege, and the fact that people can read it and connect with it, that's amazing. And the fact that I can, like, I'm going back to uh, this November night, uh, November nineteenth, I'm flying out to San Diego to uh, perform at the Living Writers Series for San Diego State on the twentieth of November. And I'm reading with David Tomas Martinez, you know, who who graduated there from MFA program, who wrote a couple books now, who's won awards, and, and I'm going to be performing with him. Mm. I'm like, what? I remember when he visited there, and I was still a student, and I was like, man, what do you, how do you do this, you know? And just to be there and have that privilege and honor. And then the next day, I'm doing a lecture on video games in my former professor's class there, <laughs> uh, Bill Nericcio. Um, love this man, great friend of mine. Um, and I get to read my poetry in front of 300 people who bought the book, who mm. are studying it in mm. the class. And those kinds of opportunities, like, my goodness, you know, that is, is really something special. And I'm so grateful. Um, you know, even if the book, whatever, I don't know, wherever it ends up sales-wise, whatever, as long as there are some students, some Latinx student who picks it up and be like, damn, mm. you know, this resonates with me. Let me let me write about it or let me write something similar. Let me share my story. Right. right. And that's ultimately what I see is I want to share my story in a way that's accessible and that. That inspires others to yeah. write their own. Yes, because that's uh, like my, my story. Um, how can I say this is unique, but it's also very common at the same time in regards to how we like Latinx love stories, right? Mm. Like we're, we're, we're out there, you know, we're writing about this and um, we're writing about love and, and, and uh, I can't tell you how many times people told me not to write about love, mm. you know, or how many people told me like, if you're going to write about love, you got to do it right. Right. 
thinking about the folks who told me that in class. Um, but like, how did they know what was right? How did they know, you know, like my story is different than yours. Right. My love has been written about for millions of years, millions of years, but like, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time. And, but again, we don't have a lot of Latinx stories in circulation or in media. And so, yes, if you're Latinx and you're out there writing, like write your story. We need it because, again, like you just people are going to tell you, no, we don't need it or no, this, that, this, that, this. But like we need to write and we need to show people like um, we can fall in love in the border. We can fall in love as Latinx people. We can be this as Latinx people. So if we stop seeing those tired stereotypes, right? And so we can get access to the damn writing world, right? Because, hello, we've been writing for a long time. Whether, you know, the difference is that people have not allowed us to 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 print our stories mm. or people have stopped us, right, from sharing those stories or have deemed them not, um, you know, marketable, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, something that uh, I've been reading a lot for exams and I read uh, Christopher Gonzalez's Permissible Narratives where he talks about um, how these really big canonical Latinx texts were taken as the only stories possible mm. for Latinx people to write about. So like being gangbangers and sort of transcending that, right? Or, you know, uh, what have you. But these stories really set the tone in regards to markets, mm. right? Say, that's what a Latinx story looks like. Okay. And because this or that doesn't fit within that framework, then, then we really haven't had a voice or an outlet to share those stories. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's you know, hopefully, yeah, it's yeah. changing. Hopefully, right? For, uh, start, as we start to see more people, more people of color, more LGBTQ folks um, producing literature. It's not that we haven't been, or that LGBTQ folks, LGBTQ folks haven't been producing, mm-hmm. but now there's avenues, mm-hmm. right, for mm-hmm. more people to read. And I think poetry's um, coming up anyways. I think a lot more people are, are uh, going to poetry uh, to find these stories, right? To find how they fit, mm-hmm. right? Because, again, poetry's not, I don't know, with an MFA, like, poetry can be this really highbrow sort of uh, thing for academics mm-hmm. and, you know, smart people, etc. whatever, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, no, man, poetry's for everyone. Like, Pablo Neruda started writing out for, like, he started writing for, like, the highbrow intellectual crowd. And then he realized, like, what the hell am I doing? Like, poetry should be for the people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I saw my book, too. I'm like, that's that's me. I, I, and that's my story. This is how I talk. I communicate in a really sort of, you know, non-academic way, if we mm-hmm. can say it. You know, but I'm me, almost always. And that me is really reflected in this poetry. And it's quirky. It's nerdy. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's sad. It's it's all these things that I am. and And that's what I wanted to share. And so hopefully other people will share their quirkiness and their nerdiness. You know, I love video games. Video games makes its way into my poetry. Right. Like, what? <laughs> you know, and so do whatever you want you do. It's just that you got to sit down and do it. And you know, circling back to David, Tom, uh, David Tomas Martinez, he said, and when, I, when I was he's signing my book, he said, uh, nobody's going to do this shit for you. Right? And so I take that to heart in everything because, you know, no one's going to be, uh, no one's going to do my degree for me. Mm-hmm. No one's going to write that dissertation for me no one's gonna write my book for me no one's gonna do all these things for me and so that really sort of lit a fire under me and saying like hey if you want to do this then you got to do it Mm -hmm. and that's the only way and so share your stories everyone because that's that's what we need 
Carlos, thank you for this conversation. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege and an honor to, to be here. So thank you. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Sí.